Alright, today I'm joined with um, longtime family friend Josh Malone. And um, what would you qualify yourself as, I guess, right now in this stage of life? Um, I'm an inventor. You're an inventor? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess your most successful invention has been bunch of balloons. I think so, yep. <laughs> what, a long shot. what are the like um so I know it's like the number one selling toy in America? It's the number one selling outdoor toy. Outdoor toy. Yeah. In America in America, the world or well, we have the data for uh the United States, but it's okay. very popular in other parts of the world as well. And that has been the number one outdoor toy for um for since two thousand fifteen, I think, was the first year we were in the mass market. Okay, okay. Um, so, um, what other inventions have you, um, done throughout your career? Um, I've had, well, several inventions, uh, independently, but then it's, I started at, uh, at Texas Instruments as a process engineer, and so I have some inventions in the high-tech space. What does that, that mean? Well, uh, I come up with, when I solve a problem, um, and in that case, it would be solving a problem associated with my job of making um, microchips. So uh, when you solve a problem in a, in a way that no one's ever thought of before, mm -hmm. um, and it's not obvious, then uh, that's a patentable invention. So usually we right. associate inventions with patents, and that's kind of how, I've, how I track it. Okay, and they're like, there's four... Um, requirements for a patent, right? Is it three or four? Well, there's, t there's really, uh, well, at a basic level, there's really only two requirements. Um, it has to be new, and it has to be not obvious. Um, there's some other filing requirements that you have to go through. Um, but did you have something else in mind for the other for the others? Oh, I. The reason why I said four was it, I was reading something by Adam Mossoff, and um, he outlined um, like four requirements that he said, but I forget what they were. Um, new and, and not obvious were a couple. Yeah, and some people add to that it has to be um, properly defined, mm. properly described. So, <clears throat> oh, it has to be useful. Okay, useful is. Some people consider useful. Well, okay, yes, useful is a requirement because, uh, for instance, if you come up with a new and non-obvious um, um, book or or piece of art, it's not. It does not qualify for a patent. So patents have to have you. Patents are for. Okay, discoveries that have utility. So right. you're right. And when you say so, not obvious, it's like going from a bike to like a tricycle. Maybe. It, it depends. That might not, the first time that happened, that might not have been obvious. In fact, going from a three-wheel bike to a two-wheel bike is probably not obvious because you would think it would fall over, right? True. So that's an example of something that wouldn't be obvious. And someone tried it and they figured out the gyroscopic effect. And mm -hmm. so that would be... The first bike, I think, was not obvious. Um, so, okay, so you were talking about so microchips at TI. What did they do? What did the microchips do? Well, uh, m mostly they, 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 they switched circuits and processed electronic signals, but I worked in the 
department that made uh, the digital micro mirror device. So, what is that? It it's a um, it's an array of um, mirrors, teeny teeny mirrors that are um, uh, ten microns wide or less, and each one of them is individually addressable. So you create an image by tipping the mirrors one way to uh -huh. turn to turn the light off and tipping them the other way to turn the light on. You put them all together, it creates an image, you flip it really fast, it makes a video. And so we bounce, we have an optical system that bounces light off of the, the array of mirrors and forms, and then it projects it out through a lens onto a display. So it's, it's, it's used in projectors. Oh. So my, uh, my area of expertise was in um, in creating an environment for the mirrors to live in, so that they could basically you have to lubricate the mirrors and you have to keep them clean and dry, so that they don't get uh, stuck. How many mirrors were there? Well, would it be uh, in a where would they be? Would it be in a microchip or? Yeah, the mirrors on a tiny chip, so at, at ten microns. Okay, how many chips were there then? It, one one chip would be an entire display, so it might okay. be about. Uh, less than an inch uh, in in width, and that would form an image like an HD image, which which is I think it's um, what is seven hundred twenty twenty rows of pixels, okay. or or, yeah. or ten eighty rows of right, pixels. Right, I've seen that. Okay, so so one chip would do that. One chip would form. Would, one chip would have for HD it would have uh, one thousand and eighty rows of mirrors. Yeah, and what nineteen hundred columns, so about two million mirrors. To form the image, and you worked with this in what aspect? Just uh, I was in the process side, so we would take the take the we take a silicon wafer that was made using uh, semiconductor processes, and the last step in that, in fact, we would take it. Uh, it would be encased in uh, in a uh, a resin, so the mirrors are all encased; they're protected, and we would get it. and We would run it through a plasma machine to dissolve the encasement and free up the mirrors. Okay, so and then get, we would, you would get the mirrors by itself? Mm, no, the mirrors are stuck to the uh, wafer. So a wafer, so each Where's chip, the wafer? Okay. So each chip is about an inch, or yeah. half an inch wide, mm -hmm. somewhere between there. And on a wafer, there would be maybe a hundred of these on a 12-inch on a uh, silicon wafer. And so, the, so we would get the silicon wafer and... and um, and, and strip this encasement using a plasma. Um, uh, it, a plasma eats away and dissolves. Basically, it's a dry. It it dissolves the encasement uh, using a dry uh, plasma, and then uh, and then we would cut the wafer, which is twelve inches. Cut it into little uh, rectangular chips, like about three fourths of an inch uh, wide. And each one of those chips is, is a display in itself. So you take that and you, you have to now connect that electrically. So you have to uh, mount it in an electronic uh, substrate. And you have to connect, the, connect it electrically. Mm -hmm. we, use a, we use a wire bonding machine usually. It's like a, um, it's like a sewing machine for gold wire. <laughs> okay. And then, and then we have to take that and we have to treat the surfaces and make them... Uh, smooth and clean. And we have to put it, put a, a lens on top of it, and seal everything inside. And we have to create a an environment inside there uh, with certain uh, uh, properties, so a minimum amount of moisture and a certain amount of lubricant, and so all that process. I was involved in 
setting up those processes and and this is for like a projector yeah and you would take that finished product and you uh, like a chip in your computer this is a chip inside of a, a data projector wow i didn't realize texas instruments like when you think texas instruments i think calculators yeah no they're they're big uh, this is uh, the DMD was the digital micro mirror device, and it was used in the DL DLP is kind of the brand they go with digital light processing. So that that was a pretty big business, um, but they also make lots of other chips and that go in your smartphones, um, machines, um, microprocessors, digital signal processors. Uh, what's the guts of a computer and a smartphone? Um, and other electronic equipment, a lot of that is Texas Instruments. I did not know that. If you take it apart, you'll see the TI logo. Oh, really? All the chips inside. I didn't know they were that big. Um, yeah, you know there's Intel inside? Yeah. Well, TI is inside more, probably more products than Intel. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you, how long did you work for TI? Um, not, about 13 years. Okay, 13 years. And um, so you're talking about being an inventor there, firstly. Um, right. So how was how did that work? Being an inventor at um, a company, how does that work? Yeah. So. When because you, I think that would be kind of confusing for someone. Right. So the inventor is the person who, who thinks of the new thing. So companies can't invent. Only individuals can invent. Um, but when you work for a, a company, usually they own the rights to the invention. So right. you're, you're the inventor, but the company, you agree to, to give the rights to the company. Right. And so I think uh, company, I think TI has a, they have a bonus program. I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I don't remember if it was in effect at that time, but a lot of companies will give you a bonus, but they own the rights to your inventions, which can be very valuable sometimes. Okay. So what inventions did you come up with at TI? Uh, Do you remember? Uh, yeah, they're just, it's, it's, um, I came up with a way for, of, of, of treating, um, a way of treating the environment inside the, uh, where the mirrors live. Okay. And came up with a way for uh, making it more reliable and robust. Um, at one point, I came up with a, a a new design for a hinge for the mirror. You know, I described the mirrors have to tilt one right. way or the other mm -hmm. to 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 reflect the light. Well, I I came up with a new design for the the hinge for the mirror. It was actually a it was a it was a small it was a, a certain shape of a thin thin metal beam and it would uh, twist in a certain way so it's very so very how, obscure how did it in, like improve um the previous model of the hinge uh this one would have allowed the hint, the mirror to be tilted <clears throat> um rather than it's uh, at any at any angle you want so instead of just having it one way or the other way mm -hmm. mine uh, I came up with a way to uh, to be tilted different amounts okay. one way and different amounts the other way. So you so talked you about stop, you could stop it and halfway through its range for various colors. 
Uh, yeah, it would be a way. So it's like a spectrum of colors. Right. Well, shades. Shades. So okay. Gray, yeah, it'd be shades of gray, and um, the way the way that worked at the time, it still works today, is it's digital. So you would turn it. it you would turn the mirror on, all the way on or all the way off, and you do it fast enough so your eyes don't notice. Oh, so okay. If it's on 10% of the time and off 90%, or like, say it's on for 10 milliseconds and off for 90 milliseconds, then that would be a 10% gray, but your eyes wouldn't notice it. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So and my I'm way, sure... you would have tilted it, you know, you would have tilted it, you know, maybe five degrees to get that... 10% and... Okay. 20 degrees to get and I'm sure that um, increase the longevity and life of that, the mirrors did it not yeah that was that that was my that was the problem I was trying to solve okay oh that makes yeah. sense but there were other um, disadvantages so it, I don't it was never implemented at Texas Instruments oh. my invention was not so a lot of inventions are not implemented we just interesting and you would get patents for this for these things yeah, you want to you want to cover it uh, because it could be valuable. Yeah, and so you want to patent it anyway. Um, so you talked about like the lubricant in these uh, mirrors and stuff. So, um, once the lubricant runs out, I assume there's nothing you can do about that chip, and you just have to buy a new one. Yeah, you have really good questions. Well, that's my job. I, I never, yeah, I never um, go this deep on. Everyone wants to talk about balloons. You want to talk about high tech stuff. This is awesome. <laughs> um, so one of the the tricks that I didn't come up with, the guy before me did, was um, to create a reservoir of lubricant, um, and we put it in a in like a desiccant. You know, like the 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 desiccant that comes inside a product that that says "Do not eat." Oh, okay, um, yeah, powder, yeah. It's for drying. It's for keeping a right. It's for keeping a product dry. Yeah, they have in like beef jerky and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we used kind of a version of a desiccant, but we would saturate it instead of putting it in a dryer. We would actually saturate it with lubricant. Okay. Yeah. And so you put that inside, and then it basically it modulates the the environment in there. So oh, it, so it did the opposite. It of creates a certain level of lubricant in the in the air. Right. And then if it if if it dries up or goes away, it will release a little more. Would that wouldn't that affect somehow the electronics of it having this lubricant around? Well, it's a dry. It's like Teflon, like a you know, like the, oh, it's like a graphite kind of thing. Kind of graphite oh. or or like you know, uh, the spray lubricant that's dry. That's like a Teflon lubricant. Oh, okay. okay. Um, it's more like that. Got it. Got but it's actually not even a. It's not even a. A liquid or a powder it's actually in the vapor phase so it's like like water vapor like right. in the like room in the room like it's probably 30 percent uh water in the room mm-hmm. the humidity is 30 percent yeah so you can have other chemicals in the air and we would put lubricant in the air along with the water we'd, we'd pull out a lot of the water put in a lot of a lot of lubricant interesting in the, in the vapor phase yeah. So when a projector goes out, is it more often the chip or the bulb? The bulb. Good question. It's the bulb. Yeah, we, uh, a lot of them, I don't know what they used today. It's a long time ago, but a lot of them used, um, you know, filament, art-based uh, light bulbs. I think they're, more of them are LED-based now. So oh, that's the good. bulbs are Because the bulbs longer. are like ex- 
expensive. They're almost yeah. as much as like just buying a new one. Yeah. Usually it's the bulb. Um, other part. Yeah, the mirrors. We got the mirrors to where they can do it over a trillion cycles. Wow. That's yeah. a, well, that's okay. That's so yeah, time. turn off your projectors, teachers. Hmm. Don't and like it has this weird effect when when like. I don't. I don't know if you have you experienced. Have you messed around a lot with projectors? Yeah. Okay. We so te- we tested them. For, okay. For so one of one of the problems is that spots would start appearing mm-hmm. on the screen. Burn in. Yeah. What does that What does that mean? Uh. Well, it depends on the te- like on a the bunch techno- of white dots. On the, yeah, depends on the technology. Um, you can get a. Like some of the projectors use liquid crystal and some of them use DLP, and so it depends on the, it, it but basically overuse of that of that pixel can cause a burn in image. So it's not the bulb. No, no. If it's a single pixel, it's because it would be it, it's the pixel, and it would so it would start out with a couple of white dots, hmm. and then it would increase over time, and it would just like spread like a disease. Oh, interesting. Have you? I, I, no? I mean, I've seen a lot of things. But we would deliberately create a lot of uh-huh. um, defects in the laboratory. I haven't seen that one in real life, though. So, so that was the biggest. So I worked at my school over the summers with like IT. Yeah. And that would be the biggest problem we would see is um, just lots of spots. Wow. On so it's a worn out projection. The projection. That does sound like the chip. No, I don't. Because know the bulb. Is. Because it would still project. Right. So like, it wouldn't be the bulb. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was the biggest problem. So That's interesting. Wanted, yeah. Yeah. We someone would have to have to return it and have it diagnosed. Mm. Yeah, that's too much trouble. Yeah. Um okay, so you messed with projectors. What else did you do at TI? Um that's that's about it. That's about it? Yeah, I worked on um yeah, d- different uh a lot of projects on attaching on on attaching the lens to the substrate so there's it's kind of like it's like a clamshell so you take the the silicon chip mm-hmm. you mount it to a substrate which is like um i guess if you, you see those little chips that look like a look like a little bug with legs yeah okay so that would be the substrate okay um, but then ours, instead of having, you know, a black coating over the top, would have a a, a lens. Okay. And so the way you attach those things together, there was a lot of, you know, we had to have a um, certain level of strength, certain, had to limit the outgassing of the adhesive. So a lot of adhesives outgas, you know, you can smell it when it's curing. Mm. So if it outgasses, it could, it dam- it'll damage the mirrors so we did a lot of work on in fact the technology they used for a long time was they actually welded they actually welded the seal together um, and we wanted to get away from that it was not very uh, efficient yeah. so we were looking at it, developing adhesives so interesting yeah so that was that. probably your first um your first experience with like inventing on your own, would you say? Uh, y- uh, yeah, I think that's right. Cause I think up until then, was it satisfying when you uh, would solve a problem? 
Yeah. 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 Have you always viewed yourself as quote unquote an inventor? No. I even um I mean most I mean there's other ways like I'm always I've always been a problem solver but usually there's a tool you can go to the store and buy a solution for your problem okay yeah or you that can look sense. it up on YouTube right so that's so that's that's actually the I highly recommend it don't invent uh, the that's the uh, um, what's the motto uh, I can't think of it but anyway what's the don't, gist don't, of it don't reinvent the wheel okay yeah okay if you need a wheel go get a wheel if you need a hammer go get a hammer uh, if there's not a tool that and so that came later and even at, uh, well I think a lot of inventions at least um, try to improve something mm-hmm. so that's kind of like reinventing the wheel yeah yeah I mean yeah I guess if uh, I mean that's what you did with the mirrors mm-hmm if it doesn't work well enough, or if it's too slow, or if it costs too much, usually there's, those are motivations uh, for an invention or an improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Improvements, inventions can be improvements. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. so first experience with inventing um, mirrors, microchips, projectors. Next mm-hmm. on the list. Um, I don't remember. There was. I'd have to look up. There were some other things, but. Um, Nothing hugely significant at Texas Instruments, and then uh, after that I went independent. Okay, so you so. quit your job at TI, mm-hmm. and you went all on your own. Yeah, I had. Um, what I was that at, like? Were you scared? Um, financially? No, just uh, um, very, um, very, very excited and and free and hopeful and. Um, so why? What made you go independent? Uh, I had ideas. I was um, limited at at a big company at which ideas I could pursue. We had a a very small budget. You had to get approval, um, and I, you know, I had I had ideas I wanted to pursue uh, in other industries as well. And mm-hmm. so, um, in this case, I wanted to solve a problem. Um, for for a whole different field and um, I didn't have time to do that while I had a full-time job and also was hopeful that I could be um, an entrepreneur and, and make it you know if I s- solve these problems like it could be pr- maybe more profitable than what yeah, I was the, doing. the American dream do your own yeah. thing um, build your own wealth um, all right so you go independent after 13 years at TI mm-hmm. with energy and hope and everything um so okay so what was your first invention as an independent inventor it was a digital paper cutter so i remember this yeah so the problem this time was in uh uh, in the craft industry card making and scrapbooking they um uh, well, my wife and my mother-in-law and other people that I knew would spend a lot of time cutting out letters and shapes out of paper. And so they would use scissors or they would use like a die, uh, a steel die punt, a die punch, like a hole puncher with a shape. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and they would be, they, were, they had big ones, you know, they would make, make a, a two or a three or a four inch letter um, using a, 
Wow. Basically an industrial tool. <laughs> so, and, and it became very, uh, so they had these huge collections of tools. So if they wanted to, to um, spell the alphabet, they'd have to have 26 of these dies. And if they wanted lowercase, that's 52. And punctuation, you know, they're up to 70 of these tools and that's just for one font and also stickers are expensive just saying yeah like i've seen stickers at like hobby lobby and stuff they're expensive they add up yeah and also um it's not as creative to right. just i mean a sticker's more like uh just get it done but this was people want to be creative so they want mm-hmm. to make their own shapes and so it was that was the other thing is it's limited to you can only make the shape that you have the die for and then they were collecting these things and and these um in these storage containers and closets where they were filling their closet with this equipment. It was very expensive. And, um, it also bothered me cause, um, it, it was, it was not so a, a, a steel die is something that's used in industrial processes where you want to make thousands of copies of the same thing. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's called uh, parallel processing. So, uh, then it's great when you want to make lots of the same thing, but crafting is is the opposite. You want to make one special thing, and so you're not making lots of copies. You're making one, so it made more sense to me to process it uh, uh, one at a time instead of um, using these uh, mass production devices. So I thought there's there's there has to be a better way. It's more affordable. It's more unique. It's more compact, and so so how long after you became independent did you see this problem and like start tackling it it was before so it was before you quit so you kind of knew going in like oh this is one of the things i want to deal with Mm -hmm. okay that makes sense um so so what was it what was your solution to the problem Uh, and okay and before once you saw the problem did you look at other things on the market that might be um, a useful tool uh yeah there yeah, I did. you you always want to look and see what's out there, and so I, in this case, and a lot of times I said there's got to be a better way to do this. That that phrase is one I use. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way, um, and so, a lot of times you'll you'll go to, you know, you'll go to the website. Go to, uh, I, we didn't have Etsy back then, but you go to Etsy <laughs> or, or 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 Pinterest, and you find or you go to uh, uh, eBay or Walmart or Amazon and you find the the solution. Right. And search it up. It didn't exist. So um And when was this? What year was this? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Okay. Yeah. There was no there this was it. And it was a massive industry. Oh yeah, for sure. Um so so my solution was to use a di- to, to digitize to make it digital. So um I would r- rather than punching the shape I would the idea was to trace it out with a cutting t- cutting tool, so okay. Uh, a sm- so what came up with was a a small razor blade, and actually I, this is something that existed before, um, in the vinyl graphics industry they they cut letters in sign shops, to stick on on like windows and storefronts and stuff, and they use a similar like a swivel, it's a little razor blade on a swivel and okay yeah and so just you draw the shape. But instead of drawing it with a pencil, you draw it with a, a teeny razor blade, and you cut it out. So I, I took that that swivel blade and I put it in a motorized machine, and then created instruction sets and a microprocessor that would relay those instructions to the motors and um, 
And trace and it I, out. And I, yeah, trace it out, shrunk it down. One of the how big was it? Yeah, the main the a big part of the invention was making it small, portable, battery powered. Because um, I didn't want a giant machine. Right. You, yeah. Like you can go and cut shapes out at the sign shop, but those are those machines cost thousands of dollars and they're not portable. So anyway, I took that technology and rearranged it, shrunk it down, came up with some some improvements. So how big was the the machine? It was uh, six inches square. Okay. So um, so this machine would cut out shapes and numbers and whatever you wanted. How did you tell it to cut out what you wanted? Did you download stuff onto it or what? How did that work? Uh, the there were two. One was to to uh, select a pre-designed shape so we'd have artists design uh, libraries of shapes thousands of shapes so you just so like you, it would come with the shapes already on it uh, yeah on a, on, on, a, it. on a memory stick on, on a memory, memory card so okay. just like you you know when you choose a font on a word document you can choose a font and cut it so okay. it was that was so what was the interface like on it it was uh so it had a a display. It wasn't touch screen. That was kind of new technology at the time. That was the year. Was that the year the iPhone came out? Two thousand six, maybe. I um, think it was so, later than that. So it was cut. So so this was a this was a button. This was a um, a push button interface. So iPhone like, came out in two thousand seven, by the way. Yeah, that's right. So this was before uh, touch screens were really popular. So it had a display, but then uh, like a D-pad input, um, mm -hmm. up, down, right, left, and you would select. Okay. You would scroll through a screen. Did select, it have a keyboard on it? A small one. Yeah. A small one. Yeah. Okay. Just a navig. It had like a navigation keyboard. But it didn't have um, like letters and numbers. No, you would. Uh, you would select. You would scroll that. through to select okay. your letters and okay. numbers and font. So you'd, yeah, you'd start with. Uh, and and so you, you first you start with a a memory card. So we would have a theme card. It would have oh, a so font and shapes. Okay. So you select your card, you put it in, and then you um, and you could change out the select card. Select your letter, uh -huh. and then you select your size. And then font. Yeah. And then, just... and then and then you hit go, and it cuts it out. So you couldn't make your own SD card. Was it like an SD card? Yeah, we had a. Um, I don't know if this product made it to. I don't think I don't know if we ever released it in the market, but we had a a software tool you could create your own. Oh, that would, that's cool. Yeah, so well, we found it was um, it, it was there were a few people that wanted that feature, um, but to make were, their own thing. Yeah, but we found it was it was a better business model, and it, it worked better for most people just to be able to buy a card. Right. And so you can have be easier ten you know, yeah. ten cards, and then if you want to do a special project, you buy another card, and uh, you don't have to spend all that time uh, creating your own artwork. And then there's also concerns about securing it. If we put if we allow people to design their own, they could they could you know crack the um, the security and 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 give away or sell or they could compete with us on selling their their own uh, cards so we wanted to keep it secure also so you couldn't so, so you couldn't uh counterfeit or copy it that makes sense so you mentioned Pir piracy that's the <laughs> so you mentioned it never making to it never made it to market this the custom software tool we did not release in the market 
the product did. Okay, the custom software. To, oh, to make your own shit. To make your own. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So you come up with this idea. You start working through it. When did you? Did you? I assume you got patents for it. Uh yeah. So when 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 did you get patents for it? Uh the way the way we how did, how the, how does the process work? Yeah, the way we did it back then, and people still advise to do it this way, but I don't I don't agree based on my experience. But the we'll get into the that. instruction was file the patent and then it's protected. So it's so patent pending. You've heard of you've I've seen heard of that patent listed pending. patent yeah. pending. Yeah. What does uh, that mean? The th- the theory there is you know when, it's basically when approved. You've locked in your. No, it's pending, but you've locked in your rights. Okay. And eventually, the patent would issue, and it would be. Um, but it could be protected. Denied. Right, but you would take a chance on that. You assume that, I mean, you pretty much can know if 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 what you've got. I mean, there's a gray area where maybe they won't allow it, but this was pretty clearly something no one had ever done before. So I I knew I would get a patent. I expected to get a patent on it. And so I had it pending, but you don't want to wait. You you at that at this time you didn't want to wait because you you couldn't afford to wait. You got to go to market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the patent pending is supposed to be um, enough protection to to get started. Okay, so, so um, walk me through um, how you brought it to market. Uh, I. I always so I wanted I'm an I was an inventor and developer. I didn't want to be a manufacturer. So plan A for me has always been to license my invention. And what does that mean? So find someone else who is maybe in the in the business in the industry and uh enter into an agreement with them to give them exclusive rights to this new technology. So they're basically so they, buying it from you. Renting it. Renting it. Renting it. Exclusively, they're renting it, so they'd give you, I don't know, like payments every now and then. Yeah, if they like it, then they, uh, they, they take my design. Um, it's different than royalties. It, it, no, it's royalties. Oh, it is royalties. Yep. Okay, that's how they're usually done. Usually, they give you a percentage of their sales. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. So, so did you find a partner to uh, do this with? Not, not. It didn't go like I thought. So I got my, my and I, some people license ideas that are just designs. I've never had, to, to me, that's not, um, I like to take it further and prove out, prove that it works, prove the value. So I actually built prototypes and had begun the production process and then uh, had begun to seek a partner for licensing. So that, uh, I went to, uh, I went to trade shows and demonstrated my product and had a lot of negotiations with a lot of different companies that liked that said they liked it um but they we couldn't we couldn't come to an agreement on the terms what so what was stopping the agreement to happen uh this this industry was um if you think about it uh it's a very um uh it's it's kind of a commoditized industry so they didn't have much technology so you think about it about uh, you know, paper cutters were kind of like the highest tech there is. So, and these, these uh, die, these uh, die punch tools. So they didn't value the technology like they did. They didn't have computerized electronics in this industry, and so we had spent, you know, uh, you know, thousands of hours and uh, over a hundred thousand dollars 
probably several hundred thousand dollars developing this technology and they didn't want to pay the value for it. So they were used to paying people for um, much simpler products. Mm-hmm. And so they would offer $5,000 plus oh, so 5% were, okay. of sales. So they just didn't appreciate the value. They didn't want to take a chance on a big, making a big investment in something that was totally new for the industry. Okay. Um, so that was the hard part. Yeah. It's fine. It adds some real to it, reality. Huh. Huh. All right, so what happened next after you couldn't agree? Uh, I kept, uh, I started trying to take it to market myself. So plan A is to license, plan B is to build a business and, and sell it, prove, you know, find your customers. So I would go down the path of plan B and begin, um, you know, setting up a factory, actually co- through a contract manufacturing, um, developing, uh, uh, making molds to make all the components. This is a fairly complex product, so there were mm, okay. 40 different injection molding tools. So, yeah. Um, had to raise some funds, and so just basically building a business to make this product in, in, uh, in mass production. So I spent a year doing that at the same time, uh, continuing to look for partners to, to join with me. And then so so you, did six, you months, six months to the prototype, and trade shows, 12 months of, plus 12 months of negotiating, and then finally found a company to partner with at the end of that 12-month period and did a, uh, did a license with a company called Making Memories. Okay. Yeah. Were they American? Yes. Okay. I don't know why. For some reason, I thought it was like some Chinese company. Yeah. Um, so you did that. So how successful was it? Um, it was... Once we got going, we it was it was pretty successful. It was um, fairly popular product in the industry, and uh, so did it go into like retail stores, online, a website, or um, how did it, how did the re- retail aspect and selling the product work? Uh, it was so uh, making memories had. Um, Sold product in like Hobby Lobby and Michaels, okay, and so those Joann's kind of- and some other um, mostly craft and hobby stores. Okay, so it was sold in most of, most all those stores. Yeah, what was and it called? Did it, have- it was called the Slice. The Slice. Yeah, the Slice por- uh, portable paper cutter. Yeah. And cordless slice cordless paper cutter. How much did it retail for? I think it was one hundred and forty nine dollars. Did was that and that included a your initial set your initial memory stick memory okay. card yeah so that was kind of your jump start to being an independent inventor uh yeah that was yeah my first my first one was successful I mean it wasn't what I expected but it it actually made it to market so um so were there knockoffs after that. Uh, Did people like this company no, buy it and then reverse engineer this, it? No, it was um, because I feel like I've seen something called the Cricket. Is that? Yeah, that was a competitor. Yep. What, what is their product? Is it? it yeah, that's. Is it the was, same thing? They came out, so that was um, the same. So, so someone else recognized the same problem at the same time, and they brought their product to market. Um, right, just like, just ahead of us. So. But after but, in, I quit, but they after did I, it in a different way yeah. to where it wouldn't infringe on your patents. Yeah, they just yeah, theirs was different, and they were, um, but they were, pr- 
pretty pretty good competitor. Is it, it, uh, they got to market first, so that's an advantage. And they just took um, they took a safer approach. They just took a vinyl sign cutter and shrunk it down, uh, kind of shrunk it down, and and then just copied it. I mean, just they copied that, uh, which is legal. It was um, it was not patented anymore. The patents had expired, so they took it. They took this commercial device and just made it smaller and took it to market. And so that was um, that was our competition. It was a bigger unit plugged in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ours had, some, ours had some advantages. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you did the slides. Next one on the list? Um, I had, I tinkered around with a lot of stuff. I tried to take a product to market um, called uh, Shapelets. It was a way to make, it was a kid's, craft to make your own um shaped bracelets out of rubber out of uh rubber so it was like silly bands okay i remember silly bands yeah so it was like a way to make your own silly bands um how did that go uh it worked but the market uh we missed the market so it was a it was a it was a failure as a business and you got patents and everything for that and try to get um, it to market or did you just like i don't oh, remember our I think, times passed yeah i think that was one where i didn't I think I had a patent pending, and then we, I think we let it expire. Okay. Um, also, your motivation for inventing, is it money? Is it the satisf- uh, the satisfaction of there's got to be a better way? What What is it? Well, it's you. It's getting paid for solving problems, um, but there's also a like a, a there's a risk reward benefit. Because it's, you know, it's not like you, you get paid a certain amount, an hour, a certain amount every month. Um, you get paid if you're successful. So, if you really solve a problem, you should get, you should be able to profit more from that. And if you, so anyway, I like, I like, I like solving problems. And uh, if the better I do at it, the better I get paid for it. And roughly, in theory. Okay. Because I know. Another um, independent inventor, um, he's actually a teacher at my old school, um, but I asked him the same question. He said, purely, like, for the money, which is interesting because um, cause I feel like you got to have some, like, passion for, like, solving problems. Uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. I don't know. It's It's hard to imagine... Um, there are professional inventors, though. Um, there's different kinds. There's some people that, some people, at IBM has IBM hires inventors, and they tell them your job is to invent. And that's all they pay them to do. Um, and then other professional inventors just are serial inventors. They'll come up with you know, hundreds of ideas, and, <laughs> and just hope one works. Yeah, and um, I I get a lot of satisfaction out of. Uh, coming up with the solution then testing the solution then optimizing the solution and then um and then yeah and yeah and then if if i don't a lot of times i a lot of times they fail right you you just try and you think and you try again and so how how long would you work on these these projects of yours where i'm tinkering and stuff like would it all day like Every usually, now and then, uh, like, usually it would just kind of simmer for a while. I would think, you, would I, it just be like long brainstorms? 
I usually, yeah, I just think about it, kind of clear my head and come up with ideas and then where would think you, about them some more and then eventually get something that's worth trying and I'll make a prototype. And Where would you get these ideas from? How do you come up with your ideas? Um, Mostly like, I don't know, looking at your own family or just... Mostly on, well, oh, you mean ideas of what to solve? Right, ideas oh. of inventions. Well, it's, it's two parts. One is identifying a problem. And where would you right. look for the problem, though? Like, where I would, would you just get, observe it. From, I wouldn't look like, for it. Your, I would just observe it. You just observe it yeah. from your everyday life. Uh, mostly, yeah. Yeah, I just think things are, I mean, why does it take, uh, I don't know. If things take too long or they're too tedious, I'm, I love efficiency. Like, I, if I have to do a repetitive task, I'm done after three. I'm going to find a, a way to automate it. Gosh, so, so you don't like fishing, do you? No, that's different. That's Is that's it? not. I mean, if I if I was fish, I would not like fishing in order to eat. Like, I would use a net, <laughs> or I would use this uh, dynamite. What is it? They fishing with dynamite? Yeah. <laughs> If it was just solely to feed myself or my family or to okay, efficiency. commercially, yes. Efficiency. I, I, would not, not, I would not use a, a Maybe hook. not patience, but efficiency is the issue. Yes, right. Okay. Good, good distinction. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so after Silly Bands, Maker, Make Your Own Silly Bands, what came after that? Uh, that was... Um, I, had, I had run out of time, so I had other... I, ideas I tinkered around with I don't know I had wanted to recycle gray water and rain water to, to get off the grid and I had other ideas for um, I don't even remember I had a whole list and then um, just different stuff I was tinkering with um, you know electric vehicles was, was something I was really interested really? in for a while um, well, what do you think of Tesla now? Um. Yeah, I I don't I think there's a lot of problems that still need to be solving. Um, uh, Tesla's a brute force approach. You know, they're taking um, technology and they're just that's not really suitable. So, hauling around a thousand pounds of um, toxic chemicals as your as your power source it's is, like is lithium, not like lithium lithium battery yeah you know what those bat those it's the same battery that's in uh it's the same battery that's in a a camera it's a little uh two-thirds double a size battery and there's th tens of thousands of these batteries soldered together these little cylinders you know, you, they 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 combine a whole bunch of them together, and then they wrap them in plastic, and then they connect them in in parallel and series, and it's just it's it's an ugly, ugly technology, and it's <laughs> so definitely um, not efficient. It's, it's not efficient, and it's not environmentally friendly. I mean, these are um, uh, 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 toxic chemicals that are that are bad for the environment. They're they're not renewable either. How do you lithium, dispose of that stuff? not renewable. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be interesting. So yeah, batteries are great. You can store power, and it's reasonably um, energy. Uh, it, it, it's got a reasonable. You know, you can haul it around on your mobile devices and your laptop, and um, it works really well for that. But it doesn't make it. I guess the the okay, the weight okay. the weight to energy ratio of 
petroleum fuels is much better than the weight to energy ratio of electrolytic um, uh, uh, electrolytic chemistry. So that's the sort of thing that I would work on if I were inventing again. When I get back to inventing again, it's going to talk about that later. But yeah, um, we'll get to that. T- t- uh, Tesla's Tesla's fine. They're developing. They're they're evolving technology. They're they're maybe making incremental improvements to that technology. But um, to me, there needs to be more breakthrough technology to make electric vehicles really, uh, you know, ener- more energy uh, efficient, more environmentally friendly, and more economically efficient. So, you know, they're heavily they they're heavily subsidized. They they're not they're not profitable um despite subsidi- uh subsidies. Um uh, electric motors are are great. They're constant torque. Um they're pretty efficient. So I, I think that it does does make and they're simpler. I like that electric motors are there's less moving parts than a internal combustion engine so there's good things about electric motors more efficient but in terms of uh storing the storing the energy i think we need a lot more work in that in that space and like any battery it has a lifetime that like slowly over time it loses its battery life and capacity yeah and look how long it takes to charge them do you how long do you know how long it takes fast charge is like 30 minutes That's not bad. How long does it take to fill up your tank with gas? Sure, like two minutes maybe? I, see, I I would not have gone to market and more power to them for Elon Musk and, and all the other automotive companies have gone to market, but I wouldn't do that until I solve the problem. That's that's my approach. So I want to solve that problem before I take the product to market. Well, maybe taking it to market will invite others to build off of it and improve it. Um. Yeah, no, that's and that's true. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Because as I said before, I feel like a a big, which is interesting. Um, a big part of inventing is improving, like building off something that's already invented, mm-hmm. which is has always okay. So say you build, you improve something. Um, like if you can find a way to charge a battery in in five minutes. Instead of thirty minutes, that that would be an you know that could be an invention, okay. and that would be that would have value. I okay. still want to get rid of the lithium ion batteries. I still think that's terrible, a terrible energy source. Do you have any ideas floating around that maybe you could um, just throw just, out there? Just conceptually, um, you know, I, I think hydrogen has a lot of uh, potential. Um, whether it's uh, fuel cells or some sort of a, uh, um, some sort of a generator, certainly certainly nuclear has some potential. It's uh, very efficient, in, in terms of um, weight weight to to energy ratio. Um, yeah, I mean. Com- Combustion. I mean, generators are still. I mean, we still get most of our energy from um, from lighting things on fire. From burning. From burning. Yeah. From burning. Yeah. Or something about. I don't know. I. I don't. I don't know. I. I would. I would look at the thermodynamics and and. So how much have you learned 
w- once you became an inventor and you're looking at all these new problems that you want to solve, how much time is allotted to like studying the actual science behind what you're about to do? Or did you already like have a pretty good idea of of these concepts? Um, I rely a lot on my train my education. So I, I stay close to the mechanical fields, thermo, thermodynamics. Um, but for something like this, it sounds like you would have to go out and learn some new things before you could tackle it. Yeah, a lot of it's uh, a lot of it's fundamentals, instinct. I mean, I mean, thermodynamics is just there's rules. It's like gravity, right? Right. You can. I mean, Archimedes did so much with with just basic physics. And so your physics is very reliable, and your instincts are are pretty reliable. And so, um, and so then, when something seems like the 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 global the global system works, like the physics can work, then I can dig in and find out. Then I go and see what's the state of the art in this field, or what's a similar field. What have people done? Um, you know, you go back and look at the stuff that Tesla's done in electricity, and that's that gives you the benchmark for what's possible. And then a lot of times, inventing is finding something, you know, in an analogous field and applying it to the to the current problem. Maybe someone solved a similar problem already, and you use what anyway. So so yeah, I'll do a deep dive once I kind of have have a concept. Um, so after um, getting back to the the question of inventions after the silly bands maker what came next uh that was when i i run out of ideas and i was going to ba- i was going back to uh the corporate world to get a steady paycheck so and okay i i was it was my last the last month of freedom and i i invented um the new way to fill and tie water balloons called bunch of balloons okay so you were about to go back to work for like a steady paycheck back to the corporate world. Mm-hmm. But in that last month of freedom, you came up with a bunch of balloons. Yeah. And I just want to pause right there. Mm-hmm. 